You're listening to the High Power Archery Podcast. I'm your host, Angel Garcia, a USA Archery Certified Coach, inviting you to join us each week as we discuss various topics in the world of archery. Our goal in creating this podcast is to answer questions and provide insight, all with the intention of helping others enjoy the sport that has given so much to us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and send in your questions. We're always happy to hear from our listeners. Now on to the show. Hi folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing how to prep for the upcoming bow season. It's already July 9th, and um, this is a time when it comes to bow shops that we start to see a lot of people panicking and trying to get ramped up and ready for the season, which is due to start at the end of September, or even earlier for some other states. But before we get into all that, just want to go over a couple of things. As you've noticed, the last couple of podcasts, we've had different guests on there, and we're going to continue to do that in the future. Um, but the one thing that I did notice is the audio quality wasn't that good. And we do apologize for that. That's because we've been using the Zoom uh, feature so we can have multiple people on the podcast at one time due to the social distancing thing. Well, the other thing that we've been doing is we've been upgrading our podcast equipment. So just to let you know, in the upcoming episodes, you will hear much better audio quality and some other things we're going to throw in there. We've made the investment and gotten much better equipment, and uh, we can't wait to bring you that. But enough of that sort of stuff. Let's get on to what's actually going on today. So lately in the last couple of weeks, we're starting to see more and more people at the range um, with hunting bows. And as is typical every year, it starts to get pretty packed towards the end of July and definitely by the beginning of August. Um, in our shops, if you will, we start to see a lot of people come in with their rigs that haven't touched them in over a year and they just want to make sure that everything is sound and right. Or if someone was, say, putting off that string change and now all of a sudden they want to get it done, it's probably not the best time to get it done, but you can still do that, providing that the shop you're going to go to is going to give it the right amount of time, help you get tuned up and set right. A lot goes into changing strings and it's more than just throwing them on there and going out and do what you do. The bow has to be balanced, and we'll get into all that in a second. So let's start first with what do you do when this type of thing rolls around? So there's a couple of different scenarios we have. You have the bow hunter who shoots all year round. These people don't have a lot to worry about, with the exception of their broadhead tuning, and they just want to double check to make sure that's fine. And you should always double check to make sure your broadhead tune is perfect because just because your field points fly right doesn't mean that your broadheads are going to fly with them. If you're using mechanical broadheads, which anyone who speaks to me will tell you are, I'm not in that camp. I'm more of a fixed blade person for obvious reasons, which I won't get into in this episode, but I have gotten into in the past. Then you really, really need to check it to see how that broadhead is flying. And even in the case of some of these newer mechanicals that are out there, they're kind of big on the end. And don't be surprised if they don't fly along with your field points. In a lot of cases, they don't. So we want to make sure that your broadheads are flying normally. So that's part one. Part two is you want to inspect your bow. Look at it. 
see if there's any string wear, anything that doesn't look right. So if you examine all the servings, and I'm not talking about if the servings are dirty or something like that, although that is a cause for concern also, and I'll explain why. Let's just say that you got some mud on your servings because you put the bow down while you were field dressing a deer last year or something like that. You haven't paid much attention to it. It's not something I see a lot, but it does happen. You let that on there. Well, all that stuff dries up. It works its way into the strings. It can cause some deterioration of your servings. So that's a cause for concern. So you just want to wipe them off and make sure they're okay underneath all of that gunk that's on there. But the other thing you should be looking at is check your servings. Go, Just work your finger from one end to the other. Just working it all the way around. And if you feel anything abnormal, it'll give you a clue that maybe something is wrong or something else is going on. Visually inspecting those, those cables and strings will show something immediately. You want to look, pay particular attention to the end servings. So look at your end servings. Look at your end loops. A lot of times there'll be nothing wrong with the servings at all. But when you look at an end loop, you might see fraying. You might see a lot of different things going on there. That's immediate red light, stop, have it checked out by a professional. Here's why. Most of the pressure from that bow is exerted upon that end serving because that's where it's hanging onto the cam. If there is something wrong with it on that end loop, you need to get it taken care of. The chance of something bad happening, while it may not happen immediately, could happen at the wrong time. You don't want that to happen the night before or two or three days before a hunt because then you'll be out of commission unless you can find someone who's going to work on it right away. And even still, there's so much in prep that you don't want to take the chance. So first look at your end servings. Look at all and your end loops. Look at all the servings. Make sure there's no fraying. Make sure nothing's coming apart. Make sure there's no loose spots in the serving where the serving has worked itself off. Most string builders are really, really good at what they do so they pay attention to their end servings. However, there are some string builders who either mass produce stuff to a point where quality control goes down the drain or had a bad day when they were making them and they'll twist it the wrong way. You have to serve in a particular direction. Serving counter to that direction eventually will undo itself or it'll walk. And that's what we call when the serving moves. So if you're looking at your center serving, sorry, center serving, and the center serving doesn't look right, then that's a very, very big cause for concern. Some people will wonder, well, why is my, all of a sudden my shots are going low or going high? And then when I look at the serving, well, whoever did your center serving tied it on wrong, and now all of a sudden it's walking, so the serving's actually moving up or down the string as a whole, which is moving your knock point. Very big cause for concern. Normally, not a big deal. We'll strip it off, reserve it, but you have to keep in the back of your mind if they screwed up the end serving and the center serving, chances are the rest of the servings on that string set are probably no good either. So what do you do? Well, then you take it down to somebody who knows what they're doing and can address it and get it fixed. And you don't wait till the last minute. You definitely don't walk into a crowded bow shop on a Saturday afternoon two weeks before the season expect expect to get that done because it's just not going to happen in time and if it does it could be a rush job which you're going to wind up paying for anyway 
And I don't mean financially, I mean wind up paying for it because they're probably not going to do a good job. There's just too much going on at one time for them to be able to pay the attention to detail that you need and you require. So again, don't wait till the last minute. Now, the other thing you can look for is if you draw back and that peep is twisting on you, that's a problem. A twisting peep is an indication of one of two things. A string that is not built well, but again, if you were shooting it previously, never had a problem, it's probably not a build issue. But it's also an indicator of strands in the string being broken. And for that reason, if I see a peep twisting, what I will suggest to a customer is I want to cut what's holding that peep off to the serving that they used to tie it down. I like to cut it off, which we do, but we warn them. Sometimes when we cut it off, we could really see other problems that are being hidden under there or the string could just pop by itself. Not because we're using a blade on the string. That's not what we're doing. I'm talking about cutting off around the serving that's going on the peep. So it doesn't come anywhere near the string. It's just on the peep site itself. So what we'll do is we'll cut that off and we'll strip it off carefully and we'll look to see what the story is. And a lot of times we'll find that there's a broken strand under there. Dead giveaway. Broken strand will be twisting of the peep. The other thing that could cause a twist of the peep, and again, it wouldn't have happened now, as opposed to when you've been shooting it all this time, is if someone placed the the peep in there improperly and slid it up while they were trying to see, you know, where's the best placement for your eye, because that eventually will work itself out after some time and start twisting. But if you haven't seen that now, if you didn't see that before you put the bow away last year, that's not the issue. So we're really looking at bad serving. We're looking at a bad strand that may have been cut or may have popped. That's what you're looking for in your string. If you don't see any of that, you got pretty much nothing to worry about when it comes to the string. The other thing you should think of is, well, what is the game that I'm going to be going after? If I'm going after whitetail, say here in the Northeast, then I've already used the same setup over and over again. And most people won't care. They'll be like, yeah, I'm just going to use my arrows from last year. Okay. That's where I see a lot of problems. You're going to be using your arrows from last year. There's nothing wrong with that. However, you need to inspect those arrows. And if you look at every manufacturer out there, they all have a warning somewhere on their, either on their website or on the box that comes with your brand new arrows that will always say, inspect each and every arrow before each shot. And the reason they say that is, particularly when it comes to carbon, arrows can get damaged very easily. You take it for granted, nothing's wrong, you shoot it again, and there could be a catastrophe where the arrow collapses or cracks, that sort of thing. And the result is all that force being driven back into your bow instead of into the arrow. The result is usually a dry fire effect, not something that you want. So inspect each and every one of your arrows. Check them, see if anything loose, any fletchings come loose. If you have to refletch it, that's not a big deal. But as long as the arrow itself is sound and intact, you're good. Inspect your broadheads. Do you have the same broadheads you were using last year? Because if you did everything right last year, you tuned to those broadheads. What you don't want to do is mix and match broadheads. Different broadheads have different flight character characteristics. And if you 
don't believe me, go ahead and try to shoot two different broadheads together who are different shapes and see how that works out for you. Because chances are they're not going to fly the same. And by what I mean by that is they're not going to have the same exact point, uh, impact point. So don't mix and match broadheads. Especially don't go mixing and matching weights on those broadheads. So don't shoot a 125 and 100 or something like that. I actually had a guy come into me last year and I'm looking at his quiver that he had. And I see three fixed blades and two mechanicals. And I said to him, yeah, dude, uh, I think he got somebody else's arrows mixed up in there. He says, no, those are mine. If, if I'm not trusting the shot with the fixed blade, I'll just throw on a mechanical. And I said, your mechanicals are literally three-quarters of an inch longer than your fixed. He goes, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. I'm like, yeah, it does. He didn't believe me. I took him down to the range the following week. Eight-inch difference between where they hit. Eight-inch doesn't sound like a lot. It is a lot when it comes to an impact point on a whitetail or an elk or anything. You might still catch the vitals, but it's not worth the chance. So there's another problem. You know, make sure the equipment is all matching. So you've checked your arrows, you've checked your broadheads. The bow itself looks to be functionally sound. Inspect the limbs, make sure there's nothing going on there, make sure there's no cracks in a limb yeah they can crack haven't seen it in years but make sure there's no cracks make sure there's no flaking on the limbs a lot of times people will see a a little sliver of a limb start to come off we used to see that on the older bows where they had laminated limbs and there's still some of them around there's nothing wrong with them as long as they may they're maintained well and you're looking for that sort of thing if you don't see anything like that nothing to worry about so now we've checked the bow checked all that Take it to a shop, and this is very, very important. Take it to a shop or a friend who has the equipment and check your third access. This is a big deal for pin shooters. And the reason why I single out pin shooters is because, as you know, a lot lot of my customers have been using the EZV bow sight. It's less impacted by the third axis, but when you're a pin shooter, If you're going to be shooting in a tree stand or shooting uphill or downhill, like if you go into the Rockies or something like that, you had better make sure that your third axis is off. Should I say isn't off? Because if it is, you could see an impact point difference of a foot, one way or the other, depending on how steep the angle is. So what I suggest is you take it to someone who's got the right equipment, have them put it on there. Don't assume that it's still on if it was checked last year. It could be off. You might have bumped the bow. Anything could have happened, especially when you're not looking. In the heat of the moment when you put your bow down because you're so excited to go pick up that trophy rack that you just shot, you might not notice that you threw the bow down a little bit too hard or it tipped over or something like that. Small bump to the sight can throw off the third axis. So you need to have that checked. Also, this is a point of debate with a lot of different people. Checking the third axis with a desktop machine, which is just a little stand that we use. We set the initial third axis with. And then there's another tool called a hamski that we actually keep on the bow. And we have someone draw straight, bow is level, bubble level's good, 
aim down 45 degrees. See if the bubble level is good. The Hamsky should stay level, but you'll find it may not stay level on the actual bow sight. And the reason is when you draw back your bow, you do torque the riser. So I always suggest checking the third axis at full draw. Don't trust a bow shop to do it for you. And it's not because they're trying to be dishonest. When I say don't trust it is, if the tech is going to do it for you, remember, he may exert a different amount of force on that bow than you. And if he does, the result could differ. So I'm being very extreme with this and saying, trust your draw for it. Nobody else's. It's the same way when I paper tune a bow. I can paper tune a bow and I can shoot and get a bullet hole. Somebody may, you know, the, the bow owner may paper tune it, you know, shoot through paper. And depending on how he grips the bow, may get a wide left hair. And it has to do with personal settings. Now, can we fix that? In some cases, a little. In other cases, I've had to shim cams all the way over because someone's grip was so bad. And other times, shimming wouldn't even do any good. And I, had a, actually, I actually had to hack their form, if you will, and help them grab the bow better, show, teach them proper grip. And you could find out, especially if you go to a new bow, the grip that was on the old one doesn't match the new one. You're gripping it completely different. You're applying a different amount of torque. Inducing that torque causes tears, causes poor bow flight. That's the purpose of paper tuning, to see what kind of flight you're getting from the arrow. I believe in doing paper tuning at 7 to 11 yards and with multiple arrows. And most people tell me, well, the guy at the shop, he only does it at like 5 feet. Okay, great. Again, I've mentioned this on another, on another episode, but here's the deal. The bow itself must, I repeat, must be able to... fix itself. Sorry for the long pause. It's trying to find the words for this. The arrow, as it comes out, we've all heard of arrow paradox, where it bends. If you're right at five feet away, and sometimes closer, I've seen them literally right in front of the paper trying to shoot it. Um, if you're like five feet away from the paper and you shoot, that paradox is still in play. Most people agree the paradox kind of works itself out between seven and, you know, seven, eight, maybe nine yards. I kind of go 11 to make sure it's out. Um, and you have to see that that's the case, that it is working. So paper tune it at distance. I'm not saying shoot 30 yards back through paper, though I know people who have done it at 20. And it's kind of strange, but their tune's really on. But like I said... To it realistically, give the arrow paradox a chance to work itself out. Let's say, let's just say, for argument's sake, you do paper tune at five feet. Well, step back to 10, 10 yards, shoot through paper again. What are you going to get? Ninety-five percent of the time, I can almost double guarantee you're not going to get a clean bullet hole. What you'll probably wind up getting is a tear one way or the other, and in some cases. It's grim reality when they look at it and they see a tear that kind of looks like you went through the paper with a broadsword. So that's why we say paper tune 
if you're going to use that as a method of your tuning at a reliable distance. Now, for some people, I'll pick up the bow and I'll shoot a bullet hole. And like I said, they can't do it because the way they grip it. The other thing that we do here at my shop is if we're going to paper tune a bow, we'll do it with a shooting machine. Why? Because if there's a problem with the bow, we want to eliminate the bow being the actual problem. And we want to make sure the bow itself is doing the right thing. So we'll shoot it through the machine. The machine has no influences on it. And if we got a bullet hole, we know the machine is good. We know the bow's tuning is good. And from there, it's just minor tweaks with the user. You know the bow is tuned now. You've got good paper tears, if that's what you're using. The other thing you can do is some people don't have access to a paper tear frame to do this for paper tuning. And actually, there are people out there and... A lot of times I can't blame them because I've seen people go crazy over paper tuning. Um, a lot of people out there just don't trust it. So I say, okay, if you're not going to do that, then do the walk back tune because that'll tell you if your center shot's truly on. And getting to center shot, okay, and again, this is all stuff that you do in a regular tune and some people are wondering, well, why am I doing all this again? I just need to see if the bow's okay and the strings are all Okay. There's a lot that goes into it. Stuff falls out of tune. String, stretch. You need it to be on point. So, do a walk-back tune with it then. You know, shoot your bow at the field or at your range at, say, 10 yards. Okay? And then, shooting at the same spot with the same target pin. Don't select any other pins. Start walking back to, say, 20 yards and shoot it again. Walk back to 30 yards and shoot it again. If you start to see... Now, you shoot in the same spot, mind you, with the same pin. So, as you walk further and further back, the impact point will drop, but it should stay in line. If you see that it's not staying in line and suddenly it's drifting to the right then you need to make a correction because your rest is off. If your rest is off because you're drifting to the right, you need to correct that because what will happen is the further you shoot, the more extreme that deviation is going to be. So if you're off to the right, say, when shooting at 30 yards by 6 inches, which is a lot, and you shoot multiple arrows and they're all doing the same thing, chances are if you got to 50 yards, you're off by 3 or 4 feet which is not something that you want. So you make small rest corrections, recite in, a lot of people forget that step, make the rest correction, recite in, and repeat the procedure until you get it to shoot and drop evenly in a straight line. If for some reason you can't get that to happen, then either your form is in question or there's something else going on with the bow. In which case, bring it to professional. Let them look at it. Because a lot of times, it is not you. It's the bow. But most of the time, it's the shooter. So now we've made sure that our tune is good. Last part of the tune that we're going to be concerned with is the broadhead flight. What are we going to do about broadhead flight? Well, pretty simple. 
shoot a 3D target. Not your bag target. Please don't do that. I see people doing it at the range occasionally who don't know any better. It's not their fault. But please listen. Bag targets are not used for shooting broadheads. That's what they make foam targets for, 3D targets. Get yourself a broadhead target, um, archerytargets.com. They, they make a black hornet target. There's lots of solid targets out there, solid foam targets that are great for it. Get one of those. Shoot the spot with your broadhead first. Yes, it matters unless you want to rip off your fletchings. Shoot the broadhead first. Shoot the broadhead, see where it lands. Shoot the field point, see where that lands. And if the field point lands right next to your broadhead or within a reasonable distance, which I'd say is about an inch at 20 or 30 yards, and your maximum distance you're going to be shooting is 30 or 40, you're pretty good. I, on average, shoot between 50 and 60 for my for my testing. And I got to get that one inch tolerance in there between the two where they impact. I try to get more than that, but that's just trying to be responsible. You don't have to go that crazy. But your broadhead and your field tip must arrive at the same place. If they don't, you're going to have to check your tune. A lot of times that will call for minor modifications to where your rest is pointing. And there's all kinds of charts online. I'll do another podcast on that by itself on how to align that. For us, depending on the shooter, we will use bear shaft to determine how we have to fix that. And that usually fixes it for us and corrects it. Some shooters I cannot do that with. Other ones, we, we do just a normal change in the rest slight. I mean, if you move move a rest a 16th, it's a big deal as far as impact point. So don't think, in, say if you have a, um, a QAD rest and you move that thing over two or three little hashes. Yeah, that's a big difference. I'm talking about move your rest if you're going to make changes by the the thickness of a piece of paper, it'll make a difference. And you try a little bit at a time each way until you get it the right way. And like I said, there's a thousand different things online, a thousand different opinions on how to do this. We will do a podcast on that upcoming. Um, and try to get another guest on so we can get into higher technical detail on that. So we've checked your bow. We've checked the arrows. We've checked your broadheads. Now comes the part that a lot of people don't get, they laugh at, and I'm like, yeah, you don't get it. It's very, very, very important. As I mentioned at the beginning, if you're the type of person who shoots year-round, which I am and a lot of the guys that I shoot with are, we're shooting indoor, we're shooting 3D, shooting all the time, physical fitness preparation for it is not an issue because you're used to shooting your bow year-round. If you pick up your bow, eh, two weeks before season, shoot it, drop your deer, 
put it away. Chances are you're not going to be physically ready for shooting regularly. And this is where my cautionary note comes in. It's not a picking on per, on people thing. It's a fact. If your body is not conditioned to shooting regularly, you're going to have one of two things happen. Either you're going to feel a lot of pain after your first shooting session of the year, which we don't want. Or two, you're going to injure yourself severely. You're going to have damage to your rotator cuff, that sort of thing. We don't want that to happen to you either. And believe me, there are people out there who pick up a bow a day before season, use it, harvest their deer, and then put it away for the next year. And they harvest deer like that every single year. And there is nothing wrong with it. More power to them. But they are the exception among thousands. The average person cannot do this. And to prevent injury, you want to make sure that you build up to it. What does that mean? Start shooting a couple of months before, it'll condition your muscles and your shoulder to be able to shoot again. If you're going to start shooting in July, you have a lot of work up, a lot of work to catch up on. I suggest that depending on what the configuration of your bow and what the recommendations of the manufacturer are are for that particular bow, that you lower your draw weight a little bit and work up to it. But keeping in mind, and this is why starting to shoot a month before season is a bad idea most times, if you lower your poundage, it's going to affect your tune, which leaves you in a predicament. You can lower your poundage, start building it up slowly as you get accustomed to shooting more and more, and then do your tune process couple weeks before the season, say two or three weeks, to make sure everything is fine. That should be ample time to get everything done. If you are tuning yourself or you have buddies who will help you tune, taking it to a professional the day or two before season starts and saying, I need help getting my broadheads done and tuned is A, not realistic, B, not a good idea because they are going to be so busy in those shops. A lot of guys have like a whitetail jamboree and that sort of thing, you know, trying to move. Most of their sales are done at this time of year, just so you know. Most bow shop sales are done between July, August, September, October. So that's when they have the greatest influx of customers. And for you to go ahead and just jump in there and expect to get the same level of service is not realistic. And also, you might actually see one of these guys say, hey, I just can't do it. Don't be surprised if that's what happens. So again, work up to it way in advance. If you can't, give it at least set a two-week goal. Say, okay, I want to build up my weight. Shooting, shooting, shooting more. Put more dedication into it. Tune, and you'll be good to go. Try to take longer walks. You know, go for a walk for 15, 20 minutes. You need to condition your body physically for being able to go out into the woods and do your thing. Make sure you have all your gear together. 
clothing. Like I said in the last podcast, COVID-19, everyone's working from home or sitting home, not being able to work. Guess what? You don't have the physical activity that you normally would. A lot of people putting on weight. Some of the stuff may not fit. You may be in worse shape than you've been in years. Now is the time to start working that off. It's a good excuse. If you intend to harvest an animal, you got to put everything you can into that harvest itself. Work it out. Test all your clothing. Test all your equipment. The, the best analogy I can give you is this. If you are going to scale the side of a skyscraper from the top down, would you just take it for granted that your carabiner and your ropes and all that were in great shape? Or would you double-check those things a hundred times? Chances are you double-check them a thousand times. Preparation for the upcoming bow hunting season should be no different. You're going to go out there and have, if you're lucky, one or two opportunities to harvest an animal. Sometimes an opportunity of a lifetime because you're going to have a a chance to harvest a trophy animal. Or if you're paying to go on a trip somewhere on a private hunt or say like one of my customers a couple weeks ago is going to Kentucky. You need to dedicate as much time as possible to ensuring that that investment and those trips aren't cheap is May, given every single chance to be successful from your equipment to you physically you have to make sure it's all going for you so this has been a very very brief discussion on how to prep for the upcoming bow season we have a lot of people coming into us right now and you know, we're kind of in a funny situation because our shop's not open due, due to the COVID-19 restrictions. So we have mostly a drop-off service going on. I've got, you know, every time I, I do one of these podcasts, I, I look at my rack to see how many bows I've got hanging up. I currently have 14 bows hanging up that have either been dropped off to me or mailed to me from out of state to be worked on. And we try to close those out all within a week of each other. So now all those bows got to be done by the end of this week if I can make it happen. Not some of them are going to spill into next week so guys can get them back in their hands and start their prep. So you, you really got to take this seriously. You know, we're very, very busy. I'm sure every other shop out there is very, very busy, especially with the handicap we have going on with not being able to have people come in. Um, we work at Willowbrook Park. You know, I'll meet a customer out there and work with them. But I only have so many hours in a day. I have students as well. So I try to fit people in there as best I can. If you need help, though, reach out. If I can't help you myself because either I'm too busy or maybe I can recommend somebody who can help you out. But we try to get to everybody ourselves just to get everyone covered, if you will. So... One thing I will say, and I'll try to add one of these things at the end of every podcast going forward. You know, when you're shooting out there, sometimes it can be very frustrating. You're not on target. Um, It's not going right for you. Don't give up. 
What I will say is, if you're having a hard time or if you're seeing results that are not making you very happy, do not, under any circumstances, give up. Frustration is normal. It happens to every human being. But don't give up. Instead, learn from the mistake that's happening. Accept it. And say, okay, this isn't working. I failed at doing this. Good. Because tomorrow when I try this, I'm going to try harder. I'm not going to accept failing. I'm going to try harder again. Pick yourself up and start over. Get help if you have to. Not everyone knows about tuning bows. Not everybody knows about the different subjects involved in archery or in anything in life for that matter. So if you need help with something, seek help. So don't give up. Stay, stay with it. It will get better if you do what you have to. Not hitting a target today? Keep, keep doing it. Analyze your form. Analyze what could be wrong. And like everything else, fix it and move on. But consider the experience that you had in that process as a learning experience so that the next time something like this happens, oh, I know what that was. I can fix it really easily. Don't give up. Keep going. Well, so much for the um, inspirational section of the show. Um, that'll do it for this podcast. If you, as always, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions, please be sure to email us at highpowerarchery at gmail.com or visit our website at www.highpowerarchery.com. So, like we always say, it's never goodbye. It's until we see you the next time. Until then, stay safe and shoot straight.